Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends, Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are in your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. Hey guys, welcome back to a new episode of Finding Your Shine. Finding your shine. Wow, this is going to be a lot for us to get used to because it's a completely new name. I don't know. Have you guys checked out our new logo and all of that stuff? It's gorgeous. Let us know what you think. Such a good job. Yeah, let us know what you think. This is the first episode of the podcast with our new name. And we are so excited to be taking the podcast in not necessarily a new direction. It still has the same core values, but I think we're we're taking it to a deeper level. And it's something that me and Liz have been talking about for a while now. Like, Where do we really want this podcast to go? How do we want to use this platform and use our voices and, and help women everywhere? And it seemed like Wine and Shine... Besides the fact that we don't really drink wine anymore. It right, seems that like was a natural. That was a natural change. Thing to drop. <laughs> but it seemed like it... We wanted more out of it. And it really is about, as corny as it sounds, like finding your shine, like what lights you up, what brings you joy. And that's not just in the wellness world with like working out and nutrition. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It's financial wellness. It's it's about your environment and you know how you feel about your space. It's about, you know, obviously we talk a lot about anxiety and stress, but like what does that look like outside, maybe like physical manifestations of stress. Like how else does that play out? I think what we've heard from our listeners is we just... You guys want more well-rounded, like Mm -hmm. a broader expansion of wellness. And we want that too. Like we could feel that pull Mm -hmm. in ourselves at the same time that you guys were giving us that directive. So... Like we love nutrition. Absolutely. I love nutrition. It's like I'm still going to be doing the nutrition thing, but that's not what that's not what this podcast is all about. And I don't know. I don't know about you, Liz, but I'm really excited to go deeper and get new guests and new perspectives and more diversity um, and new voices on the show. Yeah. And I think we have a really awesome guest to start off our first episode is Finding Your Shine, Christina Rice. Yes. And with Christina, we got really raw and honest about some topics regarding nutrition and gut health and working with coaches. And the thing with Christina is... She is so knowledgeable. She really knows her stuff and she's very blunt about it. I feel I like say, she, she gives doesn't nice. hide it, like what her beliefs are. She just lays it out there on the table. And that's why I like listening to her because I feel like I'm getting the truth. Yeah. I definitely think, I'm not saying that like a lot of our guests have been, I feel like in the world of what we do, we find a lot of like kind of flowy, like, Zen people. Yeah. Not to say that Christina, I don't mean to say she's not Zen because she's obviously a very grounded person who knows what she wants and is very like in self aware and very self aware. But she is, she gives that realness that I think a lot of our listeners really like connecting with. Sometimes you just need someone to give you a little kick in the pants with some raw bluntness, but, yep. but with love. 
But with love. Yeah. And she, I mean, one of my favorite things that she said, she's like, there is no excuse for you not to start getting better. There's information everywhere. Go to a blog, read a book. And I was like, girl, you are right. Like, you're right. Like when you want it, you, you can go find it. We live in this age where the information is at our fingertips. So this episode is if you've been sitting on something or been having health issues that you haven't quite addressed yet, this episode might be one that kicks you in the butt and gets you started. So yeah. We really hope that you enjoy this first episode of the new podcast. I mean, it's the same podcast. Yeah. Just, no, just a proved. little bit of revamp. Before we hop into this episode, make sure that you guys follow us over on Instagram. If you're not at Finding Your Shine Podcast, you can also follow me on Nursed with Nina or you can follow Liz at Liz Garster. We would love to be friends with you over on Instagram. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. So obviously you're into health coaching, like that's what you do now, but your background is psychology and films. So like, how did you like, were, and you're not, you're recently out of college ish. Yeah. Wow. Um, only a year. I was going to say, so like, that's like a <laughs> that's crazy. pretty abrupt transition pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt like, you know, I felt like I was out of college before I actually was, and I did graduate early. So mm-hmm. I had an awkward period of time where I was just like, Still at school uh, while everyone else was finishing and I was just waiting until it was June to walk. So that helped. And I also had taken a year off or not a year. Whoa, whoa. I felt Mm -hmm. like a year. It was only only a quarter um, (laughs) because we're on the quarter system. So I took some time period off because I was really sick and in college and... I don't know. Ever since that point, I kind of just was checked out of school, to be honest. I remember Um, watching your stories during that time and you were like, I hate school. Like, I feel like that was such a common theme. It was like, (laughs) I hate school. (laughs) I'm smart and I'm good at school, but I hate school. (laughs) Wow. It's so funny. I've I've actually feel like I've never really talked about that. I really did hate school. And I'm so... Was I super depressing about it? Like, I'm like... Now I think about it, I'm like, well, how did I come off of... Or were you on... Were you on somebody's podcast? I don't know. I feel like because I was following the same Mm -hmm. people that you seem to like also follow or talk with in LA, I just like know that about you somehow. I don't know if that's creepy, but I feel like that was every detail of your life. It's fine. Yeah. There's just this common theme in your stories that you were just like so over school. I was so over it. Yeah. No, I definitely am not shy about that. I did not like school. I thought it was just such... I felt like I was wasting my time every single day, like doing stupid assignments when I could be using my time so much better. Yeah. And I mean, even we're just talking about how I'm like my education, I feel like where I've gotten my most useful education has been my self-education. So I get really frustrated when I have to do a program or write an essay or read a book when I'm like... I could be smarter if I was just designing my own education. I'm right with now. you uh-huh. 100% on that. I used to think <laughs> yeah. that during school in music school, Liz, it's like I'm getting more from like applying what I'm doing or, mm-hmm. you know, like performing than I am writing a thesis paper, not even a thesis paper, but like a paper on music history. Like, why am I doing that right now? What is the point of me doing this? I almost exactly. feel like. I mean, this probably exists. I know there's like general studies, but I wish in retrospect, you could just make a degree like following whatever interests you. So like you take a class here and apply this here and like it's more hodgepodging your interests yeah. Then like there there, there are schools. There are schools like that. There huh. are a few where you can like design your own major and build your own course curriculum. What? Um 
I, I'm not totally, God, who was I talking to? I, I know, I know someone who went to one of those who did that. My thing is like, I just don't learn like that. Like I don't learn well under pressure and when I'm not enjoying something and when I'm reading or consuming information, knowing in my head, I'm going to get tested on this. I have to write a paper on it. I'm not engaged because I school has always given me a lot of anxiety, which kind of rolls back. I mean, I guess circling back to your question, I mean, I majored in psychology because I struggled with my mental health a lot growing up. And I just felt I've always been really fascinated by people and our minds and how how they work. And I was like, okay, I'm going to study psych because I didn't have any other interests really. And that sort of led into, I mean, in college when I got really, I got really sick and then just was like, I need to fix myself, which led me down a rabbit hole of just a lot of research and self-education. And then because every doctor I was seeing wasn't helping me. That's um, my story. Like, this is literally exactly. the story verbatim. Yeah, yeah. To a T, everybody knows I got I super sick, didn't feel well. My doctors were not helping me. And I know that's... I'm, I'm not against Western medicine by any means, but what I was going there for was not helping me. Because it wasn't mm-hmm. like crisis care. It was like this long-term, like you needed to like get to the root of what was happening. I needed to heal you know, from the root and it just wasn't happening. So I started yeah. my own journey. And that's how I am yeah. where I am now because of that. Yeah. And I think it's really empowering that like people share those stories because the the sad truth is this is happening to so many people. So many. So many. And it scares me. And, you know, it sucks because I wish I could say like, go to this doctor and they'll help you. But everybody needs to take some personal responsibility. And it's like, if I can buck up and do this, so can you. And also with the internet, like we have all these people who have had this experience who are now dedicating their lives Mm -hmm. to trying to help other people. There are so many different health coaches and nutritionists who now are trying to take that experience and actually help you. So now I'm kind of like, well, you have no excuse. You know, like if, if you're out there struggling and you're hearing people like, I mean, obviously if you're listening to this podcast, like you know that there are people out there who are willing to help you and invest in you. So that's why it's really hard for me when people are saying, you know, no one's helping me. I can't do anything. I have this health issue and nothing, nothing's like fixing itself. And I'm like, no. There's like, so much you, out there. There's so much out there you can try and do. And like, you know, not everybody has the time or energy to be able to piece it together themselves, but there are so many people who will be as invested in you as like they need to be. So go find that person. Mm -hmm. Stop wasting time trying to like force your doctor to care about you if they're not. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, I mean, I wish all doctors had the time in the day to invest as, as much as they should into patients, but that's just not realistic. So go find someone who can invest in you. I think that's (laughs) what I was... I was going to say, I think too, it's about like being, and what I kind of hear you saying is it's being open-minded to mm-hmm. like not having a one-stop shop, but maybe looking like a doctor that's going to, or a pill or, I mean, sometimes obviously we need doctors, we need medicine. Like I feel like we mm-hmm. do that all the time, but looking and saying like, could it be sleep? Could it be food? Could mm-hmm. it be stress? Could it be, and like going to those other kind of alternative professionals that can help you pinpoint if one or multiple of those is what's the underlying reason for whatever you're going through. Yeah, absolutely. I think of it like doctors are here to make you feel better. Like their job is to make you feel better. And their job, they went through so much schooling to do things that we could never do. Like I don't know about the body, like a doctor knows about the body. But 
they're, I think of it as crisis care almost. Mm -hmm. And the problem is they don't have the time. Like you said, Liz, they don't have the time to sit down and be like, okay, is it this? Is it that? Whatever. And so I think that's why people don't really value holistic healthcare because they're not getting that from their doctors. Like, how do we really dig deep and figure out what's going wrong? But I Mm -hmm. think it's like us teaching everybody that that's really what's going to heal you. So yes, go to your doctors when you need to go to your doctors, but also realize that there's a different way to get to the healing that you want. And it's finding a coach. It's finding a nutritionist or whatever mm-hmm. that is going to be with you by your side and figure out like what you need specifically because there is no like one size fits all. Exactly. And I mean, some tough love here, but it's like, I think a lot of people are honestly just too lazy to do the work because it's easier to go to a doctor and hope that they'll just give you a pill and mm-hmm. then it's and then it's done. But the truth of the matter is that most health issues begin long before that are not going to be actually resolved with a Band-Aid approach like a pill where like you have to do the hard work. You're going to have to adjust your diet. You're going to have to sleep more. You're going to have to address the products you use in your everyday life. You're going to have to exercise properly. You're going to have to move. Like that's It's harder work and it takes longer. But like if you want to feel better, that's what you have to invest in. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people don't really want to face that reality. So instead, they're trying to convince themselves like, no, if I just do what my doctor says, it'll it'll get better. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's like uh, us, you know, people like us who are here willing to help people and wanting to help people, like we can't force people to reach that point. You know, it's only once they, they realize, okay, I need to try something else. It's going to be more work on my end, but this is actually what's going to get me long-term results. Like people have to reach that point themselves, um, which can be really hard on the outside. Like I see so many people, I talk to so many people and I'm like, I wish I could just shake you and get you to like understand. Like if you start now, you could do this because Mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is it's like, I mean, maybe you don't want, you know, people complain that they don't want to work with somebody. Okay, fine. You don't want to work with somebody, but you want to get better. Then you better be willing to work your ass off and study a little bit yourself. Yeah. And like, like there is so much information out there. Like I did it, you know, like I did it without, without studying. Um, and like, I saw a lot of people and did have to get the help of a lot of people, but a lot of it I did myself. Okay. So that's fine if you want to work with somebody, but then go study your butt off and fi- figure it out yourself then. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just hard for people to swallow that truth. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I think once you get to a point where you're like, I just feel really bad. I just feel okay. so bad. The, the the quick fixes aren't working. And you can either decide... I, you also have to find value in yourself. Like You have to have like this deep self-love where you're like, I'm worth this now. I think mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. it. I was One of my friends posted on Instagram how people will spend you know, so much money on a new house or so much money on a new car or clothing. But when it comes to working with a coach or somebody that's really going to help them, it's like they don't want to spend money on that. So it's like Mm -hmm. we have a weird sense of where we put our value and our self-worth. Okay, a car is worth it. A house is worth it. But I'm not worth... I'm not worth that payment I'm on. It's like we don't view ourselves as a product. Like I think... Yeah. You can see that you're getting something tangible out of those things. You're like, I give you money, yeah. I get house. But like, and you are the best product you could ever invest in. Like mm-hmm. you are getting a good Preach. product. You're getting a better version of yourself. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I absolutely... I love that you just said that because it's so true. And it's so sad that people don't want to invest in, in themselves or like, you know, I can't tell you how many people are like, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I'm like, 
how much did you spend when you went out to the bar last weekend? Mm-hmm. You, you drop a hundred bucks on drinks because you probably did. Or like, mm-hmm. did you go to the mall last weekend? Because I know I've never been to the mall without spending at least a hundred dollars. Yeah. Like invest that money in somebody who will invest in you. Mm-hmm. I it's it's sad because it does take a lot of people, myself included, to hit a point where mm-hmm. I have to spend the money on myself or else I'm going to just feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And you're over feeling like shit. But some people have the awareness and they're like, oh, I see this is happening. So I'm going to start... Like Liz, I feel like you're much more willing to invest in yourself than I am even. I would so much... I'm... But I'm a self-help junkie. Like I would so much rather... <laughs> I love coaches and I would rather... She's like, sign me up. Get coach, another coaching. Again. The problem I have now that I'm struggling with is like I've, I have the advice of all these wonderful people in my life. Like I have a financial coach and a business coach and a therapist and like everyone coming together. And they also... You have a team. I do. And my team all says the same thing in their own little... Sweet, unique ways. And then I have to actually put that into practice. And that's what gets really hard. The application. Right. Mm -hmm. But I love getting the knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it's almost like until you experience having coaches or mentors or these people, like you don't really get the value. Mm -hmm. And I, I understand it. Like I remember when I was first trying to find you know, health professionals, like make my own team. Like I was like, this is stupid. Every nutritionist I'm seeing isn't helping me. Mm. And it wasn't until I found someone who really got me and really changed my life that I was like, there is extreme value in this. Or even like a, a lot of courses, like going back to like how you can help yourself. There are so many cor- like courses that you can join. Everything self-study. from like mm-hmm. self-study, like even, you know, health, business, social, growing your social media, like everyone has a course and like people are like, here, I'll use myself as an example. Okay. So I have this course that's $150. And literally, if someone joins this course, I swear to God, like if you apply everything you put in that course, you will change your life. Mm-hmm. Like you will change your health. Like I have girls who have been struggling with their health, mysterious health issues for so long, seeing so many doctors, and all they did was sign up for this course and I'll like apply this information. $150. Okay. For like, I mean, we're talking like it's five modules, probably take you actually eight weeks to get through all the content. Mm-hmm. And People are telling me it's too expensive. And I'm like, really? Oh gosh. When you just said 150, I was like, what yeah, a dude, deal. that's so yeah. cheap. I'm like, yeah. Really? I'm like, really? Really? That's that's too expensive. Like, this is where it's people want everything for free. And then when something is super cheap, I don't know, it kills me. And then I see people putting out incredible content. And I'm like, this is worth like a thousand dollars. Because I'm at the point where like I have paid like eight hundred dollars for an online course. And I'm like, this is gonna help me because I've experienced courses. You or know. Yeah, I know the value. I'm like, it's worth it because I would rather spend eight hundred dollars right now on this course than a thousand dollars on a functional medicine like doctor in a few months because things have gotten worse. Yeah, and you, you also know? have to think if you're spending the money now, like spending a hundred and fifty dollars, for example, to learn what you need to learn to help you feel better, is so much better in the long run than spending how much money in medical bills. But we like you know, instant gratification and we don't like to think about the future. It's like, well, I feel okay now. But then Mm -hmm. eventually, you know, you don't want to wait till the point where you're like, I have to go spend a thousand dollars on a functional medicine doctor. But so many of us wait until that point when we could have just gotten the information we needed for a smaller cost at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think also people just 
they like have an idea. They're like, oh, functional medicine doctor is supposed to be more expensive, so it's fine. But the reality is, I know, like I I think about how I used to spend a thousand dollars a month on my FMD. And honestly, for like there was like six months where I'm like, I'm getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to just switch to a nutritionist who is really, really smart and you know, in she she cost like $300 an appointment. And after two appointments, I had made more progress than I had in the last three years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, $3,000 or 300. Yeah. I've noticed the exact same thing because I went through, like I made a doctor's appointment. I'd make a gynecologist appointment. I worked with a naturopath. I actually was working with a nutritional therapy practitioner. Mm. And I realized that no matter what avenue I went, it was always coming down to sort of like the same sort of protocol. Like Mm -hmm. now that I know so much about gut health, which I also want to get into a little bit, like it all comes down to really finding what you need to eat for your body, rebalancing your system, calming your stress levels, like all of these things. And you'll get different information from everyone. Like one doctor told me to take this supplement. Another doctor told me to take this supplement. It really doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. It's like it all comes down to the same key thing. Like work on your stress levels, find the food that works for you, clear up up. your gut, sleep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of your your call. Do you want to spend millions of dollars? Maybe that works for you. Do you want to find a coach? Do you want to do the research on your own? Mm-hmm. The baseline and, is there's yeah. there's the resources. Yeah. And that's the thing that's really funny is like, you know, there are so many different health issues that people struggle with. And there are nuances to to different ones. But at the end of the day, everyone's like, do you have any tips for someone like with Hashimoto's, do you have any tips for someone with Lyme disease? Do you have any tips, like all these different things? And I'm like, yeah, my tips are like literally every single illness starts at the same place. Like Mm. every single illness, you need an anti-inflammatory diet. Every single illness, you need to focus on reducing your stress levels. Every single illness, you need to be getting enough sleep. Every single illness, you need to be getting the right amount of exercise. Like let's not jump ahead towards like what specifically you should be doing for this condition until you have those basic lifestyle factors in place. And also, why are you running to a doctor before you have that in place? Because guess what? You're going to pay $1,000 to be told exactly what I just told you. Mm-hmm. Like fix your diet, clean up your lifestyle and then move to them because then it'll be a much faster process. Mm-hmm. And that's also why a lot of FMDs now, I know a lot who are transitioning their practice to like, you can't even see the doctor until you've worked with their nutritionist mm-hmm. because it's not worth their time. They're like, it's not worth... Because I'm just going to see you and tell you, okay, stop eating gluten. You know, like, like it's not worth a doctor's time when they have so many other people they can be helping who have gone further along in the process. So it will save both parties time and money if you clean up your lifestyle first. And it's incredible how many, like a lot of these conditions, like you have to go further than that. But for some people, like some people literally, they just change their lifestyle and they can put these diseases into remission. Like that, that does happen. Mm -hmm. So imagine if you could literally just by changing your lifestyle, put it into remission, at least give that a shot before you hop onto something like more intense. Mm -hmm. That's why I love seeing the value of coaches because some people will say, well, okay, so you're a health coach. What are you going to do? And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not your doctor. Like, I'm not trying to take away the fact that if you need to see your functional medicine doctor, you need to do that or your, you know, 
whatever, your other doctor, you need to do those things. But like you said, there's so much you can do with the baseline for nutrition and lifestyle that can put these things at ease. So it's like, I feel like I'm a master of habit change. Like I will help you build these habits and then let's take it to the next step. So if you need somebody to focus more on like your thyroid, if you have like severe thyroid issues or whatever, then go see your doctor for that. But you still need that lifestyle piece. You still need a coach that's going to really listen and help you build out the habits that you need to feel better. Mm-hmm. And you need accountability and you need yes, someone who like is like a clear, like, you know, cause especially when you have like a team of people, which many of us have, you have all these different voices. It helps to have someone who's the quarterback. Yeah. Like, and that's what I always tell people. You need to have somebody who's the quarterback, but at the end of the day, is just going to give you a guiding light because like, it can be really confusing when everyone's telling you different things and maybe it's slightly different. And like, yeah. It helps to just put your trust in a one person to like save you some brain space. Like, yep. I, I, let me tell you, like, I don't want to be whatever. I've worked with some people. I've worked with many people who I honestly, I knew more about what was going on with me than they did. Like, I felt like I was teaching them. But you're always the guru on yourself. That's right. another thing. Like, you yeah. always know more about how you're feeling yeah. than any other doctor will. It's your body. Exactly. And even like trying to find diagnoses, it was like, I want you to test me for this. I want you to test me for that. I want you to like recommend me this. I want you to prescribe me this. Like just like calling the shots, but, or even if they didn't do anything, even if they were just my sounding board, it's worth the money to me to just have somebody who like I can bounce ideas off of and who will hold me accountable Mm -hmm. and like just kind of keep me on track. It's, it's worth it for me to have somebody to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I mean, this stuff isn't easy. I think people are like, oh, I can, you know, oh, like, let's talk about sleep. Like how many people literally just like can't get their sleep in check? And you Mm. think that that should be so easy. Like it should be so easy. Just like go to bed earlier, wake up earlier. Some people just can't. They're like, I can't sleep. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's like, but I think a lot of us, and it goes back to that self-worth aspect. Like I know for me, if someone tells me what to do, I'll do it. But if I tell myself, like, Christina, you need to go to bed, you need to get eight hours of sleep, it's like, it's harder for me. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I really need to stay up. I have more work to do. Mm-hmm. But if someone else is like, Christina, you need to do this, like, I am your, I'm your nutritionist. I'm telling you, you have to, I, I will obey. Like, yes. it's just easier for me to obey, honestly. Well, we were just, that was, I just had this conversation with Nina today about how, like, yeah. my therapist told me, like, I'll just, like, talk about my therapy right now. It's fine. That's not awkward. <laughs> yeah. We, I have a therapist. It's, it's fine. Cool. We all have a therapist. Um, they're, he told needed. Me they're needed. They're needed. Because he was talking about, like, like, my sleep, which I was like, good. Like, thank you for talking about things like this. And I was like, see, I have the problem where I sleep, like, nine to ten hours, which is a lot. And, like, everyone I've talked to, like, the boiler plate of what they tell me is, like, your anxiety is, like, stupid high. We need to like settle you down a little bit. And it was funny because he just like reassured. He was like, have you ever thought that the reason you've always slept so much is because that's the only time your brain is ever getting a rest and it needs it so badly? And I was like, no, I have not thought that before. But that makes a lot Mm -hmm. of sense. Mm -hmm. Which is cool. And a coach does those things. It's like having someone on your side that's like, have you ever thought... Like a coach doesn't have all the answers on you, but they definitely have like a different way of thinking. So it's like Mm -hmm. even the one person saying that to you probably got your brain spinning. That was my point. Yeah, I was like... And you have like this self-aware light bulb moment. Okay. Well, I'm sitting here like I know that I need to... Like I know that I want to actually sleep a little closer to seven to eight hours so that I I can get a little more done. And I feel like it's not good to sleep 10 hours. Like, I feel like that's too much. And I also know... So like I want to get stuff done and I want to get like 
maintain my stress levels and like those things are connected. But it took someone else Mm -hmm. showing me how those are connected. Like, duh, they're connected. I kind of knew that myself. But that different perspective and someone like guiding me there was really what now I'm I'm not going to guilt myself for sleeping and I'm going to like make efforts to be less stressed out so that I can eventually like get that in check. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also like this like aspect of an unbiased third party who like... Mm. Like, okay, I, this might sound really weird, but it's like, I I trust someone more if I'm paying them. I'm like, I'm paying you to tell me what I should do for my health. So that person is obviously incentivized to like actually give me results mm-hmm. versus like if I'm, talking to a, if I'm talking to a friend, I'm like, are you biased? Or like a family member, I'm like, are you biased in this direction? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I can't totally trust advice from them versus like, you know, if you're paying me to give you advice, obviously I freaking want you to have results. I have like, yeah. to lose. Like <laughs> yeah. family that maybe gives you advice you don't want to hear a little too harshly, like risks that relationship with you. Like that's yeah. a good relationship. But if someone's pay if you're paying someone money and they give you a little tough love, like no skin off their nose. However you take it's how you take it. Well oh, and absolutely. when somebody's paying like when somebody's paying me, I'm gonna do everything in my power to do my own research, like pull out my books, like listen to what's going on and give them like the best information I can possibly give them because my name is also on Mm -hmm. your healing. So like everybody heals themselves. I don't believe like I'm not healing you. I'm guiding you. But it's like you said, when you're paying someone, they're not, they're going to give you the information you need. Mm-hmm. to the exactly. best of their ability. Exactly. So I'm curious, like going way back to your background, has that psychology and that interest in the mental component that you started with, has that helped you in your work with you? Like how does that impact your work with your clients in a unique way? I think it is the most important part. And Nina, I'm sure you can relate to this. Well, I mean, okay, I'm not a therapist, but like, I feel like 95% of my job is like, pretending like I'm a therapist, mm-hmm. basically. Um, yes. Because this is the thing is when we look at really what's causing disease and illness and unhappiness and why can't we change behaviors and why can't we change patterns, this is all psychology. And this is all about these deep-rooted issues, you know, experiences we have, emotions we feel. If we have suppressed emotions, this is going to manifest physically in our bodies. Like I have no doubt about it. And it's really about getting people to connect back in with themselves, like really stop and think. So many people are just, they don't know themselves Mm -hmm. at all. They don't understand themselves. They're not calming down. They're not, they don't really understand. They don't know what they're looking for in life. What's going to make them happy? They're chasing things. They don't even know what they're chasing. They they don't feel good, but they don't even know how they want to feel. They're, they're that's big you know, right there. Yeah. When you know you don't feel good, but you don't even know like how to feel. You don't know what good feels like. You don't even know what you're supposed to feel like. You just know that this isn't right, mm-hmm. or like exactly. this doesn't feel nice. Mm-hmm. And people people don't even know what their what their goals are. They'll come to me. And they're trying to do X, Y, or Z and they feel like crap. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, I don't know. I just thought I'm supposed to. Well, what's your goal? Is your goal to have more energy? Is your goal to lose weight? Is your goal to clear your skin up? Is your goal to be happy? Because that might, those are all going to be different. You know, it's a different road to each of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think people need to take a step back and think about what, what their goal is. And I think, and so much of healing, I mean, let's talk about digestion for a second, right? Like, at least half, I want to say like 90% of digestion is your emotional state when you're eating, (laughs) you know? So getting people to like realize that or people are like, I don't understand why I ate this. 
and I had such bad stomach ache, but then I ate it last weekend and nothing happened. It seems so random. I'm like, it's not <sighs> random. It's like, what, were you enjoying it when you ate it? Were you having fun? Did you know it was in there? You know, it's that, that completely changes the way you digest food. And so, so much of this is emotional and psychological. And that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's just like, I mean, the brain gut connection is insane. And I think that the gut is like the key to health honestly, um, which means therefore that like our emotions, our brain, our brain, which like is connected to our gut is, is the key to health. Oh my gosh. I'm so with you on that. So I have this philosophy. I'm very curious to think, to hear your take on it. So I have this philosophy. It's basically just what you said. When somebody's like, I ate this and I felt great. And then I ate it last week and I feel like shit, what's the difference? And I've been talking to people and it's because I've done this work myself. I almost feel like Yes, we want to eat healthy. We want to have an anti-inflammatory diet. We want to eat whole foods, like blah, 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 blah. Yes, it's all good. But if we're not checking our emotions and our stress level, none of that freaking matters at all. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, you want to eat healthy, but really, I feel like the deepest like starting point to all of our health problems comes to like unresolved emotions and not being connected to yourself. And somebody that is feeling super connected or whatever, like in check with their emotions. Of course, we're not going to be like that 100% of the time. It's like they're not going to have as many issues with food intolerances because the calmness of their body and just like their outlook on life is going to affect the way that they digest their food, which is going to affect the way that they absorb nutrients and how those nutrients react in their body. And mm-hmm. Well, if, I mean, they say the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Like we've had a million people on our podcast that have said that. And like, I know in the work that I've done with intuitive eating, like a big component of it is like, are you watching TV when you're eating? Are you checking your phone? Like, are you making, are you having these little like micro stressor moments where like you may not actually feel like there's stress when you're reading a news article on your phone, but like there's a little bit of stress that comes with like reading about some catastrophic fire or whatever happens. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that goes along like that whole being mindful while you eat and just like not having distractions and enjoying the company of others and enjoying the food you're eating and like savoring it. That's a good way to kind of get that started, I would think. Yeah. I think that that is something is interesting. Um, the whole mindful eating thing, because I think there's different definitions of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, I feel like the classic advice is like no distractions, sit down, you know, like thank your food, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is my thing. Like when you're eating, your top priority should be like, don't be stressed out. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, sitting there in silence is probably the most stressful thing ever. Oh. Um, so for me, <laughs> just depends. I, so know thyself. Yeah. Like, so that's why <laughs> know you know, I'll, I'll have clients come to me and they'll be like, what? Well, you know, someone told me I'm not allowed to watch TV while I eat. And like, you know, I, like I have to have no distractions. And this is actually stressing them out. Mm. And I'm like, well, what's going to make you actually feel relaxed? And like, honestly, like hopping on the couch with like my bowl of food and some Netflix makes me feel relaxed. I'm like, okay, then that's how you digest. (laughs) And that's how you digest. Like, like there's a difference between being distracted and stressed. And like, you know, like you can be present and also like read a book or also watch TV or also have a conversation because with that, with that, you know, thinking where people are saying like no distractions, then are you not allowed to talk to people while you eat? Because Mm -hmm. that's a distraction in itself. Um, And I know for me, for instance, like I'm actually more mindful of my food and paying attention more to my food when I'm sitting there like watching Netflix, eating my meal than when I'm at a table with people talking because I'm so involved in the conversation. I'm just like eating and not even thinking. Like I'm just like putting food in my mouth. Like in between Um, sentences. (laughs) 
Exactly. So I think it's super situational and also really depends on the person. Like if you're somebody who like, you know, you read a book and it's like, you can't pay attention to your food at the same time. And it's like getting you stressed and you're thinking about 30 things and you're like remembering what you have to do at work tomorrow, then no, like no distractions, you know, be there alone. I think that it just kind of depends on the person and what place they're at in their life. But I do think that in general, most people need to get like eating aside most people need to get really comfortable with being by themselves and like Mm -hmm. sitting in silence like for if some if you if somebody can't sit in silence for a bit and just not do anything like we need to work on that like you've got to be okay with doing that when so it's like when you get quiet what gets loud I think Mm -hmm. I read that somewhere recently. So it's like, whatever gets loud when you get quiet is the stuff that you need to deal with. And I am, I feel like the poster child of the person that ran away from everything that got loud when I got quiet, which is half Mm -hmm. the reason why I have the issues I have now is because I just was like, go, go, go. I'm not going to feel my feelings. I feel anxious. But the more I do things, I don't have to think about it. And then my body Mm -hmm. was like, screw you. Like this isn't working anymore. And so... Yeah. So like that's one aspect. It's like learn how to feel comfortable in the calm. But at the same time, if like you said, if eating quiet doesn't work for you and is stressing you out more, you don't have to do that. People think, oh, I can't meditate. Like that's something I hear a lot. Okay. But meditation doesn't have to be sitting on your pillow quietly, you know, with your hands and whatever it's called. You like walking and observing things. Sure. Yeah. If that's what works for you. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think that, and you know, like we all have different lives, like look at your life. I think it's just about having some time during the day where you're not stimulated by everyone around you. Like if you go to work and you have a big office and everyone's asking you things, you're checking your emails and you're really stimulated. And then you hop in the car and you get on the phone with somebody while you're driving home. And then you get home and you have your husband and your kids. How do you and expect like, your body to feel? Yeah, I mean, honestly... Like, you're overloaded. So yeah, right. maybe in that maybe in that situation, it would be really good for you to sit down with your meal and like hide in a corner and yep. eat by yourself with no noise. But like if you spend all day, like for me, like I spend mo- like there's days when I don't talk to anybody. I'm just by myself and I always take walking breaks during the day and maybe I'm walking for an hour and I'm not talking to anyone or listening to anything. And then I come home and I'm like, I think I need some noise right now. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so it really depends on how your day goes and what type of person you are. But I just think that like, like you're saying, like there's got to be some point during the day where things get quiet for Mm -hmm. you. Like you have to be okay. And maybe it's a different time, different place, but you know, we're so overstimulated with everything and everyone nowadays. I think that uh, this generation is screwed because of the technology. Um, It's so hard. Like, this phone, even if it's not ringing right now, we like they have done so many studies showing this how our brains are being stimulated all the time, even when we think they're not. Because in the back of our heads, whether or not you want to admit it or whether or not you realize it, like there's something in your brain knowing that, you know, if I pulled out my email, I would have 20 emails right now. If I look at my Facebook, I'll have 15 notifications. If I open my phone, I'll have five texts. Mm-hmm. Like your brain knows that. So even when you think you're present, you're not. Yeah. I have <laughs> a not phone addiction. I admit it. I have a phone addiction that has like... It's developed since I started this health coaching thing, actually, because it's like, I got to grow my Instagram. I got to do this. I have the podcast. Like everything I'm doing now... Your business. Yeah. It's on my phone and my computer. mm -hmm. Everything. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not like a solopreneur or doing your own thing, like as someone like I have a full-time job, if you think for a second when I'm out of the office that I... Like we have like a project management system we use, but I get it on my phone. So I'm like... what drama popped up there? Or like, is there anyone yelling at me in my inbox? Like, not that people are yelling at me all the time, but like that fear and that need, like (laughs) I have to check it. 
just a yeah. way of doing it. There's no rest. And it's like, everybody feels really entitled to having access to everyone at all times. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, people who have... I mean, I feel like all day, some there's someone who needs me at every point of the day. And even for people who have nine to five jobs, it's like, you will come home, but maybe you're maybe your boss will still call you or maybe it's like you still know that somebody could need you right then. It's like, it doesn't stop for anyone now with technology. No. If it's not someone from work, it's someone from your personal life who needs X, Y, or Z from you. Like there's always something to be done. And like, I just think we have too much access to each other. And this is why I miss the days when like, there were landlines. And like, yeah. you know, if I was out and not home, sorry, you can't call me or get a hold of me. You've got to wait. Like you can't see everything I'm doing all the time. And even, you know, with Instagram, it's like people think that they know everything everyone's doing. Mm-hmm. And you don't. Like, but we, we have this idea in our heads or like reality TV shows. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they've just, they've just clipped together like three weeks of someone's life into 30 minutes. And suddenly you think you know every single thing they do. No. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, logically, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I feel like now, because authenticity and vulnerability are so big in what's what mm-hmm. everyone's doing, that people feel the need to like connect in that way because they know other people are looking for that. So they feel the need to like document every single thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. it's hard. And I don't think I don't think people realize the toll that that, that takes on you. Like when everybody, it's almost like everybody has a little piece of you, like, Mm -hmm. and they're all tugging at different parts of you. And I don't think people realize until like much, much later on what that does to you. And it's interesting watching like, you know, different influencers. I've seen this a lot with YouTubers. Like I've been like such a YouTube junkie for so long. Um, And I see a lot of them kind of just like dropping off the face of the earth. And it's like the same story every time. It's like, this was too much. It took over my life. I became depressed. I became unhappy. Like I prioritized everybody else over myself. And it's just sad because, you know, we like, like the health thing. It's like, we're waiting until we hit rock bottom mm-hmm. to fix it mm-hmm. instead of, instead of like realizing ahead of time. And, you know, even it's like, a lot of these people who develop these apps or phones or technologies, like when you read, when you read about it, they don't let their own kids use these because they're like, well, I designed this to be addictive and I, mm-hmm. I don't want my child right. to be addicted to it. So I won't even... So the people who are creating these apps and technologies like the iPad, like they they're, they have to put strict limits on the way their family uses it because they know the effect that it's going to have on you. Like that's how people stay in business. It's such an immediate reward to all of it is. Like when you get a text, it's like a dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. When you get a notification on your Instagram, it's a dopamine hit. When somebody calls you, you have a voicemail or like an email. I that That's the struggle that I've found. It's like, oh, I have a new email or yeah. oh, somebody commented or yeah. oh yeah, like anybody, anything, like a text, whatever. And it's really hard. And I feel this, I get this like, I get this very anxious feeling is when I started to realize that it was becoming a problem because I would feel like this like seizing in my chest almost or Mm -hmm. just like a fatigue in my face, like because I'm just staring or I'm like so consumed in it. And I've decided that I just need to think of it like, I don't know, like what am I really getting out of it? Right? Like why am I so addicted to these things? That's when I know it's a problem. So it's like, okay, I need to put it aside. I need to focus on myself and like what what needs to fill me up. And then that needs to be a side thing. Like Instagram's fine. Like emails, they're fine. They're not they're not the worst thing that can happen. It's just I have to realize how I need to balance it in my own life. If you like set aside a time like I am doing Instagram from 7 to 8 p.m. Like, and that's when I'm going to do it. And then I'm not going to do it after that. Or, you know, like 
I said setting so those hard. boundaries, you know. I think that those boundaries are really important, but then I think it's also like, depends on the person. Like for me, I have very clear boundaries. Like I have clear times during the day when I'm on Instagram. I have two set aside times when I'm on Instagram. And when those aren't my time times, I'm, I'm not on it. Sorry. It's so good. Um, but the thing is, I'm still distracted all day. Mm-hmm. Like it's like still this thing in the back of my head where it's like I'm distracted all day. And I didn't really realize the effect of that until I did like a full, like a social media detox where I was like, no social media for the whole weekend. And even just doing that for two days, I was like, Did you feel I, so refreshed? Yeah. And I didn't realize how much, like I had so much more time in a day, not because I, not because of like time spent on social media, but because I was so much more productive because I knew in my head. You couldn't get like, on there. Yeah, yeah I couldn't mm-hmm. get on there. Like I wasn't going to go on there later on the day. So it wasn't like distracting me, just the thought of it in the back of my head, which is super interesting. And I don't know, that was really, that was really game changing. Have you heard of um, decision fatigue before? Yes. So I think that's like decision fatigue, even though you know you're not doing it, like you're not going to be on your phone for like this amount of time out of the day. Mm -hmm. It's still like something in your head that you know you have to do later. And you, even though it's like you're not physically doing something, you get decision fatigue and then it exhausts you and doesn't matter. Like even if it's on the to-do list on the back burner, it's still there. Yeah. Well, and this is also what I was going to say earlier, like when you were talking about how you feel this anxiety building up. And I think that all of this technology and all of these social media platforms have led to like this widespread cortisol resistance that, mm-hmm. that people aren't even like realizing is happening. So the same way that people become insulin resistant, right? Like you're pumping your, your body with so much insulin and then your body just kind of stops spawning. And all of a sudden it's like, you need way more insulin to feel any effects, if any. Like it's it's blocked, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same idea with like cortisol now. It's like our cortisol is so high all the time. All that the time. That's just, that's just become our new baseline. And we don't even, we don't recognize that how much we're pumping ourselves with things that are stimulating this cortisol response. And now it's like, it takes this super extreme event for us to feel anything. Like, yes. So it's almost like if you're at the point where you're feeling stressed, you think you're feeling stressed, you're at the point way beyond where right. you're feeling stressed. Like that's extra stressed out. So say, I'm curious, just as someone like, obviously I'm not like in the nutrition world as much as you and Nina. Like, obviously I know stress increases cortisol and like coffee, I know. Like what other foods increase cortisol? Or what I mean, I'm actively well, trying to like reduce all the stressors <laughs> in my life. <laughs> okay, anything that okay, this is an interesting question. So, like, you, like sh- sugar, mm-hmm. anything that's going to stress the body out, but caffeine, like coffee, like the caffeine itself, anything stimulatory, which can be like chocolate, chocolate stimulatory, this is really hurting my um, heart. Yeah, but also anything that somebody is sensitive to. So if you have any type of food intolerance and you're eating that, that's going to increase cortisol in your body because it's going to stress the body out. Hmm. But anything that the body sees as inflammatory is going to stress the body out. So, you know, I mean, this is kind of where people... Preach him of language. People argue over what is inflammatory versus what's mm-hmm. not inflammatory, but this is where it comes to okay, like cooking oils. If you're cooking with vegetable oil, that's inflammatory to the body. That is a foreign invader to the body. Ah, scary! I don't want you in there. You're bad, rancid fats. That's stressful to the body. Um, sugar is a big one. Alcohol is a big one. So even though it's a depressant, interesting. I mean, I think that 
I think that grains and legumes aren't playing with right to the body, um, unless soaked and sprouted, unless someone is perfectly healthy. But I have yet to come across someone in my life who I think is perfectly healthy. So looking at like things like like that, I guess anything that is inflammatory would be. I mean, your biggest offenders in my eyes are sugar, conventional dairy, and gluten. How would you recommend? Because you, you, how would you recommend cutting out, not cutting out sugar entirely, but like reducing sugar? Because I feel like I get more stressed then when I'm like, ah, oh, that food had sugar. And I know that like there's different kinds of sugar, and some are more. Like mm-hmm. can I elaborate sugar. on your question? Yes, I was gonna say like obviously a fruit sugar and a chocolate sugar are different, but I probably mm-hmm. have sugar addiction. So no, tips. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, answer that question, and then I want to bounce off of that question. Okay, okay. I think that people just need to like okay, let's just take a breath and like we can do this. So it's really overwhelming. Like I'm gonna cut out sugar instead of saying I'm gonna cut out sugar. Let's say I'm gonna start reading my ingredients. I'm going to read the ingredients and everything. That the first thing is to just become aware. Mm -hmm. Like, I would rather you not cut anything out, but just become aware of what you're putting in your body than like go on a mission to cut everything out. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's like take that step first Mm -hmm. because most people just like don't even realize what's in all their foods. And that's the biggest learning process for people. Like, for instance, if you find out, you know, if someone finds that they have celiac disease, all of a sudden they're much more motivated to cut out gluten and then they start realizing there's gluten and everything. It's the same with sugar. Like they sneak sugar into everything and things that you wouldn't expect. You know, it's like, what's in your salad dressing? Look in your salad dressing. Inflammatory like, oils are also in mm-hmm. everything. And yeah, it's so important. Yeah, like even the healthy foods. Like, mm-hmm. and I, and this is actually where I was going with like balance. It's like, okay, like once in a while, like that's fine. Like you can't cut out, you wouldn't be eating anything. But sometimes when you need to do that, I mean, when mm-hmm. you need to do that for your body, it's like good to detox. But like, dude, every, like, the healthy snap peas, whatever I have in like my cupboard, is like has safflower oil in it. Like everything seems to have sugar and inflammatory mm-hmm. oils. And when I find something that's made with olive oil, I like cry because I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's made with olive oil. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm like, read the ingredients and what's going, what's going in. But like better yet, like what if you ate a diet where there weren't any ingredients lists? Like what if you ate a diet where you didn't have to worry about that? Because mm-hmm. it's, guess what? It's easier. Mm -hmm. And then you don't really have to worry about it. Like, because the biggest effect, it's like, what if we had a rule where I'm going to look at the ingredients in everything. And if there's sugar on that ingredients label, I'm not going to eat it. It's it's honestly just easier to move to a whole foods diet because so there's sugar in pretty much everything. And guess do you want to know why there's sugar in it so that you become addicted to it and you want to buy it again and again and they make money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sponsored by lettuce, you know, like so and so can be sponsored by lettuce. They're making money. So I think that people first need to just become educated of what they're putting in their bodies. And like I know people, and even if you don't want to move to a whole foods diet, if you just switched over to like like dedicating yourself to reading the ingredients label and anything that has sugar in it and sugar can come. This is where it gets tricky. And like, like, I mean, in my, so in my, my program, my online course, I have like a whole slide where like, these are just a few of the names for sugar that you might see on your label. Um, There's over, yeah. I mean, there's over 50 just on that list alone. It can be hiding in other things. So it's like, you know, first start off, like I'm going to read my ingredients. And if there's, if I see sugar, I'm not going to buy that. But moving, but like I would move a step past that and I would say, I'm going to read my ingredients. And if there's anything like that's not a, a whole real food in it, like that I couldn't, I couldn't 
make myself if I had the technology like dextrose like that's not a food mm-hmm. like I don't know that's what it not is. food that's mm-hmm. yeah okay so yeah mm-hmm. like, I have no idea what dextrose um, is it can be a name for sugar. It could be a name for GMO corn. Like there, it can be like, sometimes that's a sneaky way to hide gluten in there. Like, you know, it's same with like natural flavor. Right. What's natural flavor? Natural yeah. flavor is a way that they can put gluten, sugar, tar in there. Ooh. Like, like all t- types of things, you know? So it's like, so, but like, say you're getting like, I think at Trader Joe's, they have like a pasta and the ingredient is like red lentils. Yeah. As okay. I know what a red lentil is. Like yep. th- that's a thing, you know, like, so that's kind of where the difference, like that's where you would differentiate what you're going to buy. Like, do I know what all these ingredients are? And that's why also you can't just go by like, you go by the ingredients, not the label. Because let me tell you how many products are labeled paleo or whole 30 that I think are a piece of shit. Like, yeah. oh, sorry, can I say that? Yeah, yeah um, totally. <laughs> sorry, I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> you're fine. Um, like just because it's paleo doesn't mean it's healthy. Just because it's whole third, I mean, yeah. it shocks me. Just how because it's gluten free doesn't yeah. also mean it's healthy. That's a big thing. Oh, it's gluten free. That doesn't mean oh anything. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. You, most of the time, they take out the gluten. They add in the sugar. Right. right. They add in all this. Like you're better off. And you're still adding in things that are gonna like boost your blood sugar or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's like, if you don't really have celiac, I mean, I'm intolerant. I'm gluten. I have a gluten sensitivity, so I don't feel good when I eat a lot of gluten. But it's like, even if you're choosing like, this is gluten-free, it doesn't mean that it's going to make you feel any better. <laughs> like if it's going to yeah, cause your body to have the same reactions. Exactly. So that's why I'm just like, I think that everybody first needs to just learn to read ingredients, like get in the habit, read your ingredients. And then like, look at those ingredients. Are they whole foods? Are they things you can pronounce and that you know, and that then are healthy? Because this is the other thing. It's like, you know, people will read an ingredient. They're like, well, I know what sugar is. It's, I can read that. I'm like, well, you know, not to have sugar, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, stick for the whole foods, avoid the sugar, um, and if you're like, what is that? If, if, if you don't know what it is, then it's probably a no. Okay. But here's my other question. So I, mm-hmm. I mean, totally on your side. I get all of that. I'm sort of playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. When it comes to, I guess, more an intuitive eating approach or living a quality life versus restriction. I mean, you know mm-hmm. that you've gone through orthorexia and Liz and me have both struggled with like putting way too many food labels, getting more stressed out over, I should have this, I shouldn't have this, and then causing, you know, like restriction on ourselves. Where does the balance come in? Because I also promote whole foods diet, no inflammatory oils, watch your sugars, blah, blah, blah. Like these are all the things that are going to help you live a very like happy, healthy, successful life. But then also sometimes like I want to eat the packaged food that's in my fridge with the inflammatory oils in it. I mean, it might still be gluten and dairy free, but like, where is the balance? Have you found that dealing with sort of eating disorders in your past, have you struggled with that now and all the knowledge you know? No. That was a loaded question, but yeah. No, no, this is a really (laughs) controversial question. And like, this is where I get frustrated with the like intuitive eating movement because now suddenly if you care about your health, you're not intuitive eating. Guess what? Like if I feel like if your hunger signals are actually in balance and on track and like you feel good in your body, your body isn't telling you like, I want this shitty food. But like maybe every once in a while, like you're in a situation with your friends and it's like a social thing and it's like, okay, I'll have this one, you know, once in a while, no big deal. But if it's like 
I'm home alone and I do this every weekend and I really want that packaged good. Like there's a deeper emotional issue going on. Like Mm -hmm. the food isn't going to solve that for you. And at the end of the day, I'm like, at the end of the day, I just really want people to understand their worth and like love themselves. And like, (sighs) this is such a loaded topic. Like I just want people to like come from a place of really loving yourself and doing the best for yourself. And if like, if you think that eating ice cream every day is like, showing yourself love, then like, we're not on the same page because to me, it's like, if you really love yourself, you want, you want your health to be in check. Um, if you are going to have like, you know, some unhealthy ice cream every once in a while, like, and that makes you feel good, but it's not out of like a self-hate perspective, then like, whatever, it's Mm -hmm. fine. But like, how are you going to respond to that the next day? Like, are you going to wake up and regret it? And like, hate yourself for it, then like, you're not in a good place with your relationship with food yet. You know, like that's a bigger issue. Like I see, I think it depends on where people are in their journey and like what their, what their goal is. Like if you are, you know, having severe gut issues and you know, you're intolerant to a lot of foods and then you're just like depressed about it. And like, you're just like, I'm just going to eat the cookies because like I need it to make me feel good. Is it really going to make make you feel good? Or is it like you're stressed out and like you, you just want to eat it to eat it and you're over everything? Is like that's different. Feel good mentally, like emotionally yeah. at that moment? Or is it going to make you feel good physically? Because sometimes they're like conflicting. Things. Exactly. And like my thing is like, yeah, I think everyone, I think people emotionally eat and there's like nothing wrong with emotionally eating sometimes. Like we're emotional people. Food is emotional. Like it's fine every once in a while. But when it becomes a pattern and mm-hmm. like when it's out of a place of like self-hate and like that that's when when that's not okay. And like there's something deeper going on. But at the same time, it's like, okay, what if I just like am really craving a cookie and some ice cream? There are a few ways I could go about that. And like I could go out and get go to like Diddy Reese and get like a crappy cookie and like some Ben and Jerry's ice cream and eat it. Or it would probably take me the same exact amount of effort to go get something that's gluten-free and dairy-free and won't make me feel physically ill the next day. Yeah. So why wouldn't I pick the one that doesn't make me feel physically ill? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And I see this big like correlation between... I think intuitive eating is such a wonderful thing. It like gets to all of the roots of like your relationship with food and not being afraid of food and all of these things. But at the core, I feel like it is about self-love. And Mm -hmm. once you like once you said, like once you get to that place of self-love, you choose your food based on how I want to feel and like how Mm -hmm. it's going to really serve me. And in addition to that, when you balance your hormones, you're not going to be craving the food anyway. So it's like you, it's not until you get to that point of like really blending the two, but I Mm -hmm. find it hard because when I'm, and I don't know if you find this too, when you're working with somebody, sometimes you do have to be restrictive for a little bit to feel better, to get to that place where you can start listening to your hunger signals again, till you can start trusting your gut instincts. So, you know, you have to to weed out so you can Mm -hmm. get to a place where you can intuitively eat sometimes. Yeah. Or where you can intuitively eat. I, I agree. And I think that's why all those people who have kind of never gotten to a baseline, I'm like, how are you going to say you're intu- intuitively eating? Because it's it's not your intuition. It's like what your your brain wants you. It's it's probably your candida screaming at you. I'm craving <laughs> yeah. sugar. That's I'm about to learn eating. all about candida, by the way, in yeah, my module right now. No idea <laughs> Good, what yeah. candida is. 
<laughs> it's an overgrowth of yeast in your stomach and in, in your gut. Yeah. So it's an overgrowth of yeast in your gut. And like, it makes people crave sugar. And this is the tricky thing. It's like a lot of times people, a sign of a food intolerance, for instance, can be craving a food. So this is where it gets tricky. Sometimes we crave food foods because our bodies need the nutrients from them. You know, like maybe if you're craving carbs, it's because maybe you've been too low carb for a bit. But also maybe if you're craving carbs, maybe it's because you have a candida overgrowth and those feed, like, like any bacterial overgrowth is going to feed off of carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's like, it's them talking, not mm-hmm. your body. In which case, like going in with that quote, you know, like following that instinct would be unhelpful for you. Yeah. Um, so that's where I think that a lot of these people who are in intuitive eating, like, I'm sorry, but unless you really understand how the body works and how these like conditions work, you can't just run around and tell people to like eat what they crave because you might be making them sicker. It's more complicated than that. And I think it's too, there's, there's different coaches for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, if somebody comes to me and they're like, I really need to develop a, a better relationship with food. I need to learn blah, 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 blah. And it's like that, it, you You're need not to work person. with, you need to work mm-hmm. with this intu- person that specializes in intuitive eating. Like I will use an intuitive eating approach in my coaching, but if that's where you're at and that's what you need at this moment, it's like, then that's where you need to go. But at the same time, I think if somebody's like dealing with candida overgrowth or gut issues or hormone imbalance and all of that, it's like, let's use an intuitive eating approach, but let's also get to like the science behind the things that your body actually needs or like, why scientifically are you craving this right now? Like, what can we do to balance and get you to a place where you are in control again? Yeah. And I think that people are jumping the gun. I don't think people can really intuitively eat unless they're like, pretty healthy and until they've reached a good point in their health journey. Because here's the thing, it's like, okay, one night of sleep can increase insulin resistance. Uh, one night of poor sleep, sorry, can increase insulin resistance that actually can cause sugar cravings. Yeah. That's like 80% of America right. hasn't gotten enough sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like You know what I mean? So it's like our quote, hunger signals can be so off for so many different reasons. Like I think most most people have gut issues just because of our food system now. Um, and yeah. it's like, unless you've gotten that balanced out, unless your stress is managed, unless you're getting enough sleep and like getting a good amount, like the a normal amount of exercise, whatever that means, like you, how could, sometimes you can't trust yourself yet. Mm-hmm. So you have to get to a place where you can trust yourself. And like, I think this is also an issue where, I don't know, it's just like people are jumping five steps ahead when you got to like take a step back. And like, if you have a gut issue and you're trying to intuitively eat, you might be it's making It's going to be freaking hard. Yeah. yeah. Cause, Cause your body chemically is going to prevent you from doing those things, which is why I think people get frustrated with intuitive eating. They're like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Like, I don't trust my body. It's like, no, you can. Everybody mm-hmm. can, but you have to do a little back work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you well, have people to- are like, people want to know how to intuitively eat. And I'm like, well, if you get healthy, you don't even have to figure it out because once you feel healthy, you just know. And yeah. you don't think about it. And the people that I've talked to, like I have two really good friends that coach that, like they are intuitive eating coaches. They like specialize in that. And I ask them questions like this all the time because I struggle with like having to have a sort of restricted diet for a while to feel better. But I so see how both of them complement each other and how the emotional side of food is so important. Like you have to have both. You really mm-hmm. do. You have to blend both worlds. Yeah, I agree. You, they go completely hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that anyone who's ignoring both sides mm-hmm. and like, I mean, you're missing out on a big piece of this. And like, 
The other thing is like, I have struggled with orthorexia and it comes from such a different place when you're avoiding foods, like with restrictive diets. It's like, I actually, well, not so much right now, but most of the time I'm pretty much eating the same way that I ate when I had orthorexia, but like the mindset's different. It's a completely different place. It's like, I look at a food and I'm like, okay, like sugar, like, okay, like this weekend I had a ton of sugar. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't usually eat any sugar. Like I really don't because it makes me feel like crap. Like I feel horrible. And And you know know, that about yourself. I know what I, what it's doing to me or to my health. And like, I don't want that. Um, and I look at it now and I'm like, I, I don't want it. Like it's from love though. It's out of love that you choose that. Well, it's like, so it's like, I, I look at it. I'm like, I don't, I just don't want it. But also if someone like, shoved it down my face, I'd probably just eat it. Like, I, you know, I'm like, I don't want it. But, but the fear is versus like, of like, yeah, yeah well, the fear. Yeah, it's, like a, it's like an I don't want versus like, I am afraid of this. Holy crap. Like versus when I was orthorexic, if someone like was like, th- like threatening to like put some ice cream down my throat, also, I would have like had a situation. panic attack. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, <laughs> like, I would have had like a panic attack and thought my, I was going to die. And like, oh my God, like I'm so, I'm, a, I'm afraid of it. Like I'm afraid of it. And like, now it's not like I'm afraid of it. I'm freaking out. It's like, I just, I don't want that. That's not going to serve yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know? So it's but, that it's that balanced approach. It's like when there's, when you have that much fear behind the food that you're eating, you need to do, you need to do that relationship work. But it's like when you're at a place where that's gone, well, when it is gone, it's because you trust and like, you know, your body and you know what makes you feel good. I feel like this episode should be titled like, just know thyself, like <laughs> know, know thyself and know what works for you. And, and yeah, and find a coach to help you figure it all out. Yeah, we obviously exactly. believe in coaches. <laughs> we all three believe in coaches. Like we will preach coaches till the day we die. Yeah. I think that the best thing anyone can ever do is like invest in someone who will invest in you. Because yeah. I think a lot of us are missing that as well. It goes back to like the technology thing. And it's like, I think a lot of people feel like we're missing that social connection, that community, that sense of community that like we evolved to thrive off of and like feeling like other people are really invested in us. And I I know even like like my closest friends, to some, like no one's really 100% invested in you except for for you. Like everybody totally. has their own stuff going on. You mm-hmm. know, even when you have a partner like that, that's probably the closest person you're going to get who's a totally invested in you. But even that, like they have stuff going on in their lives and it can, it helps You have to, to be have your someone. biggest advocate. Yeah, you have to be your biggest advocate. And then it's like, if you have one more person in your life who is really 100% there focused on you, invested in you, like, I don't know. I just think it's it's, it's sad that we have to pay for it now, but like sometimes, sometimes <laughs> you gotta. need to feel more fulfilled. Yeah, mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, like like my therapist is like, that was kind of like the first person in my life. I'm like, I feel like you were my like realist friend. Yeah. Yet I'm <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, that's fine. I don't even care. But it's like, if you're, they're so invested in in you and they you have their full attention mm-hmm. and that's really hard to come across like, in today's day and age. Which is what we were talking about earlier about having to pay for those things or like when somebody's paying you, you're giving... I mean, it is what it is. Like Mm -hmm. you're paying for that service and that person, if they're a good person, is going to be giving all of their their heart, their talents, their education to Mm -hmm. you. Agreed. 
I think it's great. So invest in yourself. That's what I have to tell people. Invest in yourself. Dude, this has been such a... I have loved this conversation so much. Like I could just talk to you for so long. I feel like we could just keep going. I, we, I have a, we wrote down questions, Liz. We didn't even get to like know, any like, of them. <laughs> like, we plan, but that's how the best interviews go. So I know. That's how that's we roll. Good. Yeah. Well, I hope we covered... I'm so curious of what people always want to ask me. I basically it was just questions that Nina loves yeah, to ask, but, but I don't even want to go there. I don't want to go there at all because I feel like this is what our listeners love, and this is what me and Liz love is just having conversation and seeing where it leads us. I love when we don't have to go to our questions. Yeah. I think they're our best interviews. Yeah, I will hear if anyone wants like the best piece of gut advice you can get, it's literally to work on your stress levels. Um, Preach! I had I a whole it. workshop on that. Yeah, like I don't care who you are, like unless you get your stress in check, your gut, your gut health is not gonna resolve itself. You can take, you can eat the perfect diet and take all the supplements in the world, and like, it just in health in general. If you haven't gotten your stress under control, um, sometimes that's tough decisions. Like sometimes this is like, you know, I say this all the time, but I feel bad about the number of people who I convince to quit their jobs. Mm. But at the end of the day, like they get healthy mm-hmm. because of it. They get healthy because if you're in a job or a relationship where you're stressed out and you're lying to yourself saying, you know, this is just the way it is. I just have to figure out a way to manage it. Like it'll get better later. Like you're lying to yourself mm-hmm. and like, you're not going to get better. And if that's a choice you want to make to stay in that situation, then that's your choice. But then it's also on you that you're not going to feel any better. Um, and you got to make tough decisions and make big changes to see big results in your life. And unless um, you make that leap though, it's really yeah. hard to understand that unless you just truly trust in people and their stories. Mm-hmm. Because I cannot tell you the difference I feel in my body and my mind since... And I did not hate my job. I was not one of those people that hated my job. I will say that. Like I always say that. It just wasn't your passion anymore. It just wasn't completely flowing with me. I didn't realize until I made the really hard decision to change my career just to something I was more passionate about, how much stress I was taking home from that job because it wasn't completely clicking with me. And And now I'm like, Wow. It's, it frees up brain space. You don't realize how much brain space you're taking up worrying about things. You might not even know that you're worrying about until it's gone. I totally agree. I retweet. Retweet. <laughs> we don't have a Twitter, but if we did... We would retweet it. <laughs> I, would retweet, yeah. I would retweet myself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Stress. So we got one gut question out there. Liz, do you have any question you're just dying to ask her since we didn't go over any of them? I'm or do you just think you- dying for her to tell our listeners where they can learn more. It's just a <laughs> little you. Of knowledge. Bringing it around. <laughs> Best podcast host ever. <laughs> yeah. So um, you can find me on my website, christinaricewellness.com. I'm also on my podcast. It's called Wellness Realness. I'm on Instagram at Christina Rice Wellness. I'm, yeah, I'm all, all the Christina Rice Wellness. Twitter. All the Christina Rice I'm Wellness. I, I don't, I don't tweet. Don't it's just, it's I feel overwhelmed already with Instagram. We talked about um, this. Yeah. Yes. Too much. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys feel it's like okay, Instagram, a podcast, and like a website or like email. It's like like too much. And Facebook and like a phone. It's already too many people. Like I don't know. It's too much interaction. And I and Twitter's uh, still like like all the time. And nobody. Then there's Pinterest. Do you have a Pinterest? Oh my god, I do, but I don't ever. I mean, I pin my recipes and then I exit. Yeah, I'm like this is what I eat for dinner tonight. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that. I think about yeah. that with Pinterest. I was like, dude, I go to Pinterest all the time to find recipes. Nina, you really should have a Pinterest account so you can post your recipes. I'm like, I can't. Too many things. Like, And then somebody's like, Twitter's the new way. And I'm like, I can't. I just need yeah. to stick to a couple platforms. Do them well. Podcasting is my favorite. So I'm going to stick with that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's actually a really good piece of like business advice for people. I think a lot of people get really wrapped up in like trying to keep up with all the social media platforms and all the different things. Like pick maybe two. Mm-hmm. And three. do them well. Yeah. You know, like one to three, like three is pushing it. Three should be max. I would say like two and like put it all in there. Cause mm-hmm. what happens if you, if you half-ass like four or five, you try and be on everything, you're not going to get anywhere. You'll get a lot further focusing on one or two things. That um, also goes with your health. If you try and do too many things at one time, it's not going to work. Pick sleep. Start with stress, obviously. Start with stress. (laughs) Maybe go for like gluten and dairy, whatever it is. Like pick two, three things and like leave it there for a while. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So pile a little more on if you want. Focus. Yeah. So, but that's everywhere they can find me. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you you so so much much for coming on. This has been a joy. It really has. I really have loved chatting with you guys. So thank you for having me. Thank you. You're welcome. 